outside the door on your way in here. I'm not a dad, so we want to say happy Father's Day to all the fathers, all the dads, but guys, this is for you. So if you're a guy, take a hat. We, we love you being here. We appreciate you. We want to honor you this morning. Let's just give all of our dads a big hand. I take that for myself too. Thank you. <laughs> Man, it is a, a good thing to be in the house of the Lord. We're having, we're having such an awesome time. So really, I want to jump right in with uh, Old Town Road and week two of Playlist. But I want to tell you real quick what the this, what this series is about. So Jesus was the ultimate storyteller. Jesus could take a, a concept, a heavenly kingdom of God concept, and tell it in a story in a way that would relate to people. He said the kingdom of heaven is like a, a shepherd or like a, a farmer. And in that way, he brought the stories and the principles, the concepts of heaven and made them accessible to people. And if you notice, we're still talking about those things today because they related so well. But here's the deal. We don't relate so much to a shepherd or most of us aren't farmers. And most of us, if you lose a coin in the couch, you just call it a loss. But we understand the concept. And so hopefully that's the idea of Playlist, to take something from today's culture and to try and relate the concept to something in the kingdom of God and to t actually take it further because I think a lot of the songs that, that we hear on the radio, I wasn't super familiar with this song, but I, I really love the, uh, the illustration that, that is, that is going to be unpacked today. And that is really that it, even, even in that video, I love the video because it shows a culture clash. It shows something that uh, kind of different people from different worlds trying to mix things and trying to show that one thing doesn't necessarily, I like whenever the guy picked up his phone, he's like, what is going on here? There's a lot of things in that video that I'm like, what is happening here? I don't know. Some of the girls outside the door in the hallway asked me if I could do a certain dance. I said, I, there's not a chance I can do that. Not even a chance. And so, and so we might bring them up here to do it. I don't know. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. They're ready. They're ready right now, but we're not going to do it. They'll be in the hall right after service, so just look for them. <laughs> the culture clash is really what I want to talk about, though, because whenever, whenever we think of culture clash, we think of kind of different backgrounds coming from different perspectives, coming from different lifestyles, trying to, trying to understand different perspectives. But here's the deal. When we look at the culture clash uh, in our modern society, I think it's, it, it is a very close parallel to like what Jesus was going through in the time of uh, Greek culture and, and the uh, modern ideas then. We still have many of those things that are unfolding today that we think they're new ideas, but they're not. In fact, culture seems to change all the time. Like which hat should I wear? Which cowboy hat should I wear? Which rhinestone studded jacket should I wear? I don't, that, that seems to change on a, on a daily basis, right? What's cool? What's cool changes. My kids have to tell me what's cool. My kids have to, they say, Dad, you can't wear that. Sorry. <laughs> and I say, yes, I can. I've been wearing it for 25 years. I can keep wearing it. <laughs> and so culture changes, right? We try to change to fit the culture. We try to, we try to keep an eye on what's fashionable or what's stylish. Or here, Here's the thing, though. Being Father's Day, I, I just want to point out, we'll talk about this a little bit as we progress through the message today too, but it's going to go pretty quickly. I think it's a dad's job 
Certainly, I believe it's my job to, to help my kids sort the difference between what's culturally not just acceptable or what should, we, what should we be pursuing in life. What are the things that still hold value, regardless of culture, regardless of what's popular and what's cool, hold on to fast and never let go? What are the things that don't really matter? As a, as a dad, I take that seriously that I've got to continue to put it in my, my children's hearts. In fact, the, the Bible says to train up a child in the way that they should go. So that when they're old, they don't depart from it. I think a lot of that has to do with culture. A lot of that has to do with teaching them the truth, not just of the gospel, but of life. How do we pursue God? How do we have a relationship with God, a walk of faith that actually gets us somewhere? Hopefully my kids can, uh, they say more is caught than taught. Hopefully I can show them the things that really matter. So that when they're old, they won't depart from it. And today, I don't just want to talk about uh, the father's job. I really want to talk about our job as Christians in a society and in a culture that continues to change. Like, how do we be that counterculture? How do we continue to hang on to who we are? Because I got news for you. You may never have heard this. You may have heard it a thousand times. But the scripture is pretty clear that as Christians... As believers, children of God, once we start walking down that walk of faith, we are no longer of this world. We're, we're not made for this world. That means that we have to live differently. That means that we have to look differently. That means that we have to act differently. And so sometimes we might feel like we stick out like a sore thumb or like we're riding down the middle of the street on a horse with a cowboy suit on. It might feel that way sometimes, but here's the deal. It's okay to be different if the different is the right different. Like, we don't want to just stick out for the sake of sticking out. I, I, I grew up in a, in a uh, un, trying to get my mind really around. My wife came out of, and her family came out of a different religious background, uh, more traditional religious background, where they, ladies couldn't cut their hair, and guys couldn't have facial hair, and they couldn't wear... Uh, any jewelry or makeup and like the idea that we had to be so different just for the sake of being different like I feel like the difference has to be based on the culture of heaven not just because it's something we decided hey let's make a list of all the things that'll make us different otherwise why don't we just become Amish or why don't we just go live out in the middle of nowhere and being be completely separated I think we have to be in this world or else we're no earthly good if we can't Go into the deepest, darkest places of the, go ye therefore into all the world. If we live off in the woods by ourselves and make our own clothes and never participate in the world, then we can't affect the world. So we have to be in it. But remember that we're not a part of this world, that we're actually going somewhere very different. And our culture should reflect that as a church. So I want to show you a scripture. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, and this is a concept that you may never have considered. This is a concept that I believe it has everything to do with culture. I believe that the song is a perfect fit for this, for this particular passage, but this, the idea is ideas, certain words even. In fact, you go to, uh, I listen to sermons all week long. I listen to my friends' sermons and people that I look up to, and I, I read the Bible and listen to podcasts. There are, there are pieces of the Bible that we just tend to skip over more. And this, I think this is one of them. But things like sin <laughs> or the blood of Jesus and the, the power that's in it or 
what we're going to talk about today is, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. In other words, before you came to Christ, some of you guys have made that decision recently. You've, you've sat in a service kind of like this one and decided, you know what? I'm not going to live my life for myself anymore, and I'm going to give my life to God. Like, that's, a, that, that's an incredible decision where you start a walk of faith that takes you towards what God has for you. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. Would you just say that word, holy? That, that's one of those, those words that, like, we sing it, right? We don't talk about it a lot. Why don't we talk about it a lot? Because it's hard to talk about. Because it means we have to get real serious about how, what kind of culture we have. It's one of those things that that word holy will just come and step right on your toe. So if you're sitting there, I, I think you just got to get ready. You're going to get your, sto- your toes stepped on today a little bit. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully just a little bit, enough to where we can wake up and think about where we are. It goes on to say, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. What does that mean? In, as foreigners here in this world. Like, we're not of this world. We're just here visiting. That means that God, God put us here for a short time, and then in a little while, we're going to leave. We're going to go somewhere that he has prepared for us. And if we believe that, if we believe that that part of the Bible is true, which I believe all the parts of the Bible are true, if we believe that God has prepared a spiritual place for us, that one day the the scripture says to leave this body, to be absent here in the flesh is to be present with him. That means as soon as I'm done living on this earth, the last breath I, I breathe on this earth, the next one will be with him. And if I think, if I know that to be true, if I believe that, then I have to live this life like that's true. So we're just temporary residents. And so for many of us, the greatest obstacle to living like this is a temporary residence, what happens if you live in a place and you move into a house and you know you're only going to live there for a week or two or a month? Does that make a difference in the way that you live your everyday life? Sure it does. Sure it does. You, you, you probably won't even decorate. You might not unpack boxes. You don't get too comfortable, right? You start getting everything super comfortable. Well, I really like this moved around here. Or you know what? Let's, let's put a pool in the backyard. That'd be nice. Bigger bed. We need, like you don't do all of those things because you don't plan on being there for long. You know what? It'd be a lot more comfortable in here if we could just paint all the walls. You don't do that if you're only going to be there for a little while. Be- why? Because it doesn't matter. Because once you do it, you can put all the effort into it, and, and then in a month, you never see it again. That's kind of like the concept of culture in this world. What difference does it make if I'm wearing the right things? Like maybe there's a reason why. Maybe you need to be dressed right, but maybe it's not about what you wear. Maybe it's about what you watch. We get so caught up in, in seeing things and like, I got a list of movies. I got a list of things on my bucket list that I got to do. But what if we live like we're not going to be here for very long? What if we live like this is just like the first step in a thousand steps. And when this step is, when I get to step two and three and four, I'm not going to think about step one again. We get so caught up and invested in that first step and in that temporary house that <laughs> we spend all our time decorating it 
We spend all of our time getting it just right. But I think as Christians, we have to reevaluate what's important to us, what's valuable. But God didn't create you to fit in. God created you to stand out. God created you to be something different. And for most of us, in fact, I heard, uh, I think it was Z, our uh, guest drummer today. (laughs) She's on the rotation. Is Z in the room right now? She had a tweet or something that was about, uh, she's not here. She's in the room. So she's in the building somewhere. She just played the drums. (laughs) She had a tweet or something this week where she... uh, she talked about how it's okay to not just wear black or white. You can, actually, you can actually stand out a little bit by wearing color. Those of you who are used to my, my kid, my, my son, I'm, I'm guilty of it as well. Sometimes we just put on gray or black or it doesn't matter. We're not trying to stick out. But God's called us to stand out. So spiritually speaking, in our walk of faith, we need to stick. I'm not saying go stand in the parking lot of Walmart that says, God hates you. In fact, I think it's the opposite of that. I think we need to live our life in a way that stands out enough to where we make a difference in, the, in someone else's life, not just making them feel shamed and guilty, but some, something that actually produces a, 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 a step of faith, like create a relationship with someone. But if my life is built around me, and I don't care about connecting, and I don't care about going to a small group, and I don't care about serving on a team and getting together in community and relating to anyone... What happens is that our life only matters to us. We can't affect anyone. So God wants us to stand out. God never said, I want you to just blend in. Otherwise, the Bible would be very different. (laughs) The Bible would be full of verses that say things like, I'm going to put you in the world. I want you to blend in. In fact, I think that's somewhere. there's, There's Christians that have read something like that. I don't know where it is. I think they told themselves, I just need to blend in. (laughs) That's not our job to blend in. Our job is to stand out and to be set apart. In fact, that's what the word holy means. The word holy means to stand out, to be set apart. But here's the scary part. Much of the church, if we're looking just like at statistics, much of the church looks the exact same as the world. I'm not one of those America haters or America Christian haters that talks about how bad the American church is. I think the American church is actually on a forceful advance. I think we're, we're marching ahead to, to see some incredible things being done. But what I do think, I think there's a lot of comfortable people. And I think that we have to wake ourselves up and say, I got a job to do. And that means we have to stand out. That means we have to be holy. And the hard part about being holy is the changing part. <laughs> Uh-oh. That was, I just stepped on your toes right there. That was where we're getting, we're, we're going to go there. <laughs> A little bit. So number one, you can write this down. If you didn't get your notes on the way in, you can get them at uh, the Version Bible app by searching Relate Community, and you can download them, or you can just get them on your way out and take notes. I love that. Someone said leaders are learners, and we, we want to lead this generation and the culture around us, and the way we do that is by learning how. Number one, on the road to worldly culture, sin looks normal. On the, world of worldly, on the road of worldly culture, sin looks normal. 
That means there's a world around us that would love to tell us, hey, act like this, look like this, wear this, do this. In fact, you can't help but getting text messages and emails. And if you go to any website, there's advertisements that say, buy this, buy this, buy this. It'll make you cooler. It'll make you taller. It'll make you fill in the blank. Whatever it is, everybody has something to sell. And it's all to try and get us to be more like whatever it is they're selling. And less, less like the things that we value. Someone said if... If you, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Like if we're not standing and, and walking towards something, the first thing that comes along and says, hey, check this out. Or hey, check this out. I think you'd like one of these. <laughs> There's people everywhere that just want to peddle us something. In fact, we have friends, Angela and I, we have to like, none of you guys, I, I'm sure. <laughs> you have to mute people on Facebook because the only th- they just want to sell something. Like, my life exists for you to buy this little thing. It'll, it'll just fix your life. It'll fix everything. If you, like, that's, that's become our culture. That's become our society. Here's the thing, though. The, the things of God don't get comfortable in. There are a lot of new norms in culture. There's a lot of, a lot of changing. So in two years, three years, four years, five years, it looked totally different. New songs, new... New decorations, new clothes, new fashions, new styles, new things that are the new in, right? But the things of God continue to stay the same. But why would I, why would I embrace the culture of the world? Why should we embrace the culture of the world when the, the culture of the world, it just brings divorce? <laughs> it just brings me to a place of sickness and sin and death. All the things that everybody says, hey, if you, don't li- if you don't love your wife, just leave. Go get another one. You don't like your kids or, or you don't like your kids, just leave. You don't need kids. Get rid of them. <laughs> we, don't need re- we don't need to take, our re- take care of our responsibilities. But what happens when we start acting on those impulses? And what happens whenever we start living just based on my own personal selfishness? It leads me right to a place where my life is garbage. And so people who are in misery, people who are living their life with everything in destruction around them want to tell you, hey, you should do the same thing. It's great. (laughs) It's a lie, I promise. Don't believe the lie. Misery loves company and would love for us to just throw away our life and live the way they're living. In Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, Jeremiah 6, 16. This is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look. I love this verse, and I really think this verse fits with our our song this week. This is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths or the old road. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Like there's another way. Like there's a lot of people saying, hey, live this way. You should live like me. You should live like me. My daughter told me a story of when she was in New York, and they went to a, uh, a pop-up store that was, they said, go in the back into an alleyway, and there was hundreds of people in line. They waited over an hour in freezing. She said you had to wear three coats. It was freezing. They waited an hour in line just to get to this, like a portable pop-up store in the back alley. 
for someone famous. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you who it was for, but it was, it was for makeup. <laughs> for makeup. Uh, <laughs> for things that you probably could have bought on the internet with one click. Boom, got it. But that's what culture does. Culture grabs a hold of us and says, man, I got to do the cool thing and I got to get my picture taken while I'm doing it. We want to show everybody that we're fitting in and that we're, we're a part of that thing. It's become pretty scary that we'll go so far out of our way to make sure everybody can see what we're doing. Culture, it's scary sometimes because we won't step one foot outside of that, that path if it means to do something for God. Jesus said that wide is the road to destruction. He, he gives a parable actually of two different roads. And one of those roads is wide. And that road is the road to destruction. And there are many people walking on that road. But there's another road. There's the narrow road. There's the road that leads toward heaven and toward holiness. He said that we should walk on the narrow road. He said few take that road. Few take that road. And here's the, here's the kicker, I'll tell you this, that the wide road and the narrow road, they're not parallel. And we think sometimes, well, I'm gonna, I, I, I got off the narrow road. I, I somehow got back on the wide road. I got to get back on. And we can just jump back and forth. Those roads, are, they're going in two different directions because they end up in two different places. There is an absolute truth. We, we live in a world that wants to tell us there's no absolute truth. But the absolute truth, whenever we read the word of God and whenever the word of God is, is planted into our hearts, it's the truth that changes us. It's not just the, the, the current trend of truth. We live in a world of fake news and who knows what's truth? It's hard to know. Here's what I do know. I do know that there is a way that may seem foolish to men, but that, that way is the way that he's called us to. It's a way of wisdom, and it's a way of truth. And sometimes it might feel like counterculture that, man, I'm the only one doing this. Sometimes we need to feel like we're the only one doing it. It's easier when there are other people on the path with us. It's easier if we're walking together, even if we are a small group in the whole world. It matters. There are things that we should stand out with. I've always had a, uh, since I was a little kid, I never have been a, a, a cusser. I've never, I've never had a foul mouth. I've never had, <laughs> I've never um, used dirty words. And, and uh, sometimes that's gotten me into a little bit of, for the most part, I don't think about it. I just don't, it's just not a part of my vocabulary uh, in school even, when I was in sixth grade, I can remember that some of the older kids at some point figured out that, hey, this kid doesn't say those words. I didn't make a big deal of it. I didn't tell people, hey, I don't say those words. I just didn't say them. Somehow they figured out that I wouldn't, and they got kind of came into a circle, and not around me, but like with me, <laughs> and were tr just kind of prodding me to, hey, say this, just, it finally came to the point, say this word, say this word, and I said, no, I don't want to say the word. <laughs> As a sixth grader with like seventh and eighth graders telling me, hey, they're like trying to get a little kid to do a trick. Because when you're in seventh and eighth grade, the sixth graders are, are little kids, right? <laughs> and sixth and seventh and eighth graders, whenever alive and well, whenever I was a sixth grader. 
<laughs> sometimes I was bullied and sometimes I was the bully. Just depends on who, who was the, just depends on how it was. But I never had and, and haven't since, I'm getting to a point. At some point they realized they wouldn't, finally they started threatening me, say it or else. And I was like, you can't do anything to me. But then something started to unfold that I thought never would unfold. And they all, like a group of them kind of picked me up. And we started walking towards the bathroom. Y'all are wondering where this is going. We started walking towards the bathroom, and they started threatening and telling me, about, like one of those deals where my head was going to go in the toilet. I've never, it's still never happened. That's crazy. Because when we got in there, there was a teacher waiting, not waiting, but just happened to be in there walking out, and he took all of them to the, to the office. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I, I, was, I was putting up a fight, so don't. <laughs> I was putting up a fight. But I still think it was going to happen if the teacher wouldn't have been there. So I, I have never been someone that, that's been a part of my vocabulary. Skip forward a few years. I was driving. I was actually working at the church. I was about 18 years old. And I was working at the church. And one of my coworkers, who was also a minister in the church, and we did all the work around the church. And then we ministered and, and, and did the youth work and preached on the weekends and things like that and played in the band. And so we were... Uh, all of our conversations were about ministry. We talk about church work. And so he and I were in the car and we were driving in my, I think I was 17. I was in my, in my 1987 Jeep Cherokee, Jeep Cherokee. We're going to lunch. We're on our way back. We're talking about church and stuff. And so I get ready to leave the parking lot. Some of y'all are still thinking, where's this going? I'm <laughs> we're going to get there. I pulled out onto a road and the two lanes had stopped so that I could go across to get to the turning lane. And I see that the, green, the light is green, so I've got to hurry. As soon as I get over there, I look over and see someone else is also trying to get through the green light. And in that span, every all the time slowed down, it felt like. Slow motion. I looked over and saw this car coming. And then this bad word started forming like in the back of my mind. And it was just in this... Just like one second, two seconds started building up in the back of my mind. And when that car slid and crunched into the side of my car, driver's side, it dislodged that bad word out of my mouth with like the force of like, it was, it was a, I'm not going to tell you what the word was. You might, be, you might be wondering, was it like on the scale of good bad words or very bad bad words? It was up there. It was one of those. Yes. So at the moment of impact, I said the mother of all bad words. Okay. And I was so shocked by the impact and by the fact that I had literally thought he heard me. At that point, I was his youth pastor. So I assumed... Let's never speak about this again. We won't tell anyone. <laughs> we left that moment and we never did talk about it again. But I will tell you this. There comes a moment when I realize, you know what? I, I'm, I'm saying, preaching and, and teaching and trying to have godly things come out of my mouth. And then in that moment of crisis, something else came out. 
It's very easy to change what's on the outside. But you know what else I noticed after that point? That those words were still back there. Like it's something, there's a difference between the culture that we participate in that's on the outside that we show. And there's also the part of culture that we participate that we don't allow everybody else to see. The other things that we value that are really a part of us. And some of it is because it's impressed on us. Some of it's because we hear it and see it and take it in all day long with movies and songs and radio and internet, social media. But I think that part of the culture shift has to start on the inside and impact us. So why does it matter? Why does it matter? God wants to make us holy so that we can stand out. The thing is, you can't make yourself holy. You can't decide, okay, Pastor Sean, I'm going to be holy now. Okay, I'm going to start getting holy. No, you can, you can decide and start walking toward by faith and letting God work on you, but God's the one that makes us holy. God starts making us holy, and then we begin to stand out. You don't have to just decide, I'm going to stand out and be holy, and I'm going to be the holiest of all people, and I'm going to wear holy clothing, and I'm going to have my shirt just buttoned up, just perfect to where I can stand out. Everyone can see that I'm holy. No. What I'm saying is that God wants to do something on the inside of you that will eventually come to the outside of you that will make you stand out. And it's not going to be based on what kind of clothes you wear, and it's not going to be based on how you cut your hair or how you walk. I had another conversation with one of the guys in the church this week about how people recognize, not because of anything he said, but people come up to him and ask for prayer and start sharing something because, hey, I know you're a Christian. How do you know he's a Christian? It's not because he wears a t-shirt that says, I am a Christian. Although that's not bad either. 1 Peter chapter 115, but just as he has called you holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be, be holy because I am holy. Jesus, and this is one of the last things I want to talk to you about. Jesus didn't call us to be happy. That's where we, a lot of times we get a conflict. Well, you know what? I want to be holy, but... If I, I also want to be happy. <laughs> Uh-oh. I want to be holy and I want to live the way God wants me to, but man, I just can't stand this marriage. God wants me to be happy, right? If he wants me to be happy, then he'll give me a better marriage. But God wants me to be happy, so I should just do the things that I want to do. And what happens is we end up giving ourselves permission to be unholy so that we can be happy. Because if God's a good God, surely he wants me to be happy. Surely he wants me to be blessed. Maybe that looks like, you know, I can't really afford to buy this. But um, God wants me to be happy, so I'll go ahead and run up my credit cards. <laughs> and that, that same conversation could happen a thousand times in a thousand different directions because we've given ourselves permission to do whatever we want. That's why the church still looks like the world. Because we've gotten so comfortable to think, God wants us to be happy, right? That's the way I read the Bible. But that's not what he says. I want you to be holy. God says, I'm holy, so be holy. And sometimes that means that we don't get to be happy. But I promise you this, when you actually decide to give up your own happiness for holiness, you will be happy. You will find something better than happiness. You'll find joy that comes from the inside. God's highest calling for you is not your happiness, but your holiness. God has made you to be holy like he is holy. 
God has made you to be holy. And so without knowing it, we start to worship the false gods of comfort and money and pleasure. And it's sad that all we need is a wake-up call to start living in holiness and start pursuing the God that is holy. If you're not different from the world, you're not following Christ. I'll say that one again. If you're not different than the world, you're not following Christ. You're playing with Christ. Or you have a hobby called Christianity. We need to be different. And that difference is not based on the t-shirt that, that I wear. I love some of y'all's shirts that say, uh, I don't even know what they say. In fact, um, I guarantee you, there's somebody in the room, I saw one on the way in today. <laughs> Nick. Nick was wearing a t-shirt with something written on it. It's awesome. But that's not what makes us holy. I'm going to tell you guys one more story, then I'm going to read you our last verse. Dads in the room. I, I think sometimes we, we look around at our kids and we look around at our culture and moms. We look around at the things and the way that the world is going and we think, you know, it's not the way I grew up and it's just inevitable that things are going to happen. I, I don't necessarily think it's inevitable that things are going to happen. I do believe that there's a way to raise kids that are holy in an unholy culture. I think we can be set aside. When Angela and I were dating, I told you guys last week the story of our first date, but I will tell you that not just were we each other's first, first date, she's the only person that I've ever dated. I'm the only person that she's ever dated. I'm the only person, she's the only person that we ever kissed. And of course, when we got married as virgins, that seems like it's impossible. It seems impossible, right? But it's not impossible. And so I, ha I have expectations for not just young people, but for life and living. Like I think there's a standard that we should live by, even if it hurts people's feelings. Like we should, we should live according to God's word. Not just because it seems like, nah, nobody does that anymore. Oh, I think there's a real, there are things that we should be doing. And so I hope that my kids will see the things that we've not just said, hey, do this, do this, do this. No, I, I hope that, again, they'll catch more than we teach them. They'll see what's happening, and we'll have raised them up in the way that they should go based on the culture that we're putting into them, not just a list of rules that we gave them and said, hey, do this or else. As long as you're living, I actually said to my daughter this week, as long as you're living in this house... <laughs> <laughs> even our kids when they were little not, my kids have never since they were little kids we never sent them outside to go uh, trick-or-treating around the neighborhood just because we we just we decided it was going to be hey this is not necessarily what we want to celebrate let's do something different and i know that probably again probably stepping on some toes and if you have it's fine because there's lots of things that not, they don't necessarily hurt us but we can, we can walk a different direction and choose to be something different. Although now we've, we've decided that we'll, we'll participate in this event only in an evangelistic effort. So we'll go out and we'll be a light in the darkness. We'll be, we'll, we'll, everybody's celebrating something. We're not celebrating that thing. We're doing something in the same place but different. 
You can't expect to raise children that are different from the world if children that are different than the world if you're not different than the world. So we have to live to please God and not ourselves. In 1 Peter 1.14, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. What does that mean? That means that there are, it, it's, it, it's crazy that it says don't slip back into your old desires. You don't slip into being holy just by accident. It's one of the, you can slip very easily back into the old, the wide road, but that narrow road takes a little while to find it. It's a little bit more difficult. You don't slip, oh, what happened? I'm holy now. It doesn't work, it doesn't work in the reverse. So does God really care if I eat that? Does God really care if I watch that? Does God really care if I listen to that music? Does God really care if I do that? Does God really care if I gossip? Does God really care if I post half-naked pictures on the internet? On Instagram and social media? Does God really care if I wear this? I don't know. The question is, God cares if we're holy. God wants to make us holy. That's why we, an incredible thing, real quick. We started small groups this last week. This week, some of you will go to sermon discussions when, and, and here's some of the questions that you're going to look at for the questions of reflection. What are the three areas I struggle most in trying to fit in? I think we have to ask ourselves these questions. When was a time I put my happiness above God's call for holiness? What are the biggest ways that I'm different from the world? And finally, what is the area that God wants me to be different in? Like, what does God want to do in you? If you ask him, he'll tell you. And it probably will be that fast. It's not hard to hear from God. So why does holiness even matter? Last, last verse. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Like that's the practical thing. That's how we, that's how we find holiness because we focus our attention on God, not on what's the next cool thing, not on what's trending in social media, not on what... What's the most popular new song that I need to know all the words for? But if we'll fix our attention on God, if we'll focus our attention on a God that wants us to be holy and says, I'll, he says, I'll change you from the inside. He says, I'll change your mind. I'll renew your mind. We renew our mind. But that takes us focusing our eyes on the things of God by reading the word, spending time in worship, praying, I'd like us to make a commitment in prayer. You don't have to raise your hand, but I'd like us to make a commitment in life, in your history, on your road, if you will, where you say, you know what? He's right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk toward holiness. I'm going to go back toward those ancient paths. I'm going to live on the life road that God wants me to live on. Let's pray. Father God, we just submit ourselves to you right now in in that we've done wrong things. We've embraced the culture of this world. We have embraced things that have distracted us from the kingdom of God, from your kingdom, and from the path that you have designed for us to walk on, God. Forgive us and let us 
Find that narrow path today. Let us live by faith and walk by faith. Let us be a people that is worthy of your holiness. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Last thing for your notes. Living holy isn't the path to knowing Christ, but knowing Christ is the path to living holy. Like, we don't have to become holy just so God can see us and say, hey, there you go. No, when we come to God a mess, he says, I want, I want to take you and make you into what you were made to be. Some of you may be sitting in this room today and you're thinking, I'm not right with God. I need to get right with God. I need, for my, I need to find that way to that narrow pathway. Just wherever you are right now, would you just, everybody in the room, bow your heads, every eye closed. If that's you and you're saying, I, I am not right with God. I don't know. I don't want anybody else to, to, to know about it. But with every eye closed and nobody looking around, would you, if that's you and you're saying, I want to say that prayer and get my life right with God. If that's you, would you just raise your hand up right now? If you want to be included in that prayer this morning and you want to get your life back where God wants you, would you just raise your hand up? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like everyone in the room to repeat after me. Let's pray that prayer together. Would you just pray this prayer? God, I give you my life. God, I'm ready to leave the, the wide road and find the narrow path that you have laid out for me. Forgive me for going my own way. And today, I want to walk with you. Come into my life and make me holy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give a hand to everybody who said that prayer this morning. What? I'm proud of you. I love you guys for, for stepping out in faith and doing that. Some people watching online, every week we hear of people making that, saying that prayer and making that commitment. If that was you today, the ushers are moving into position. The band is going to join me back on the stage. We're going to close with one song or call you on the phone. But I want to send you a book or give you a book before you leave today. And if you'll take the connect card that you got when you came in, at the very bottom, there's a line, there's a little box that says, I gave my life to Jesus today. Would you check that box when the offering bucket comes around? Just put it in so that we can know and we can take some next steps of faith together. Awesome. The band is back on the stage. You guys ready to worship? If this is your church and you have decided to make Relate your home church, I want to encourage you to go ahead and prepare your tithes and your offerings. I never tell you guys to give or how much to give, but I do ask you, just ask God, just ask the Lord, should I give? How much should I give? If you're a guest today and, the, and you're new to Relate, certainly we would love for this service to be our gift to you, as well as, don't forget to grab your hat, guys, and uh, it's okay to wear your hat in church. I usually take mine off when we pray. I want us to just take a minute and I'm going to pray over your offering and your giving and then we're going to uh, 
we're going to give and the worship team's going to sing and then Pastor Susan's going to come back and dismiss us with prayer. Thank you guys for being here today and I, I want to say happy Father's Day to all of our dads. We love you guys. We appreciate you being here. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for blessing us. We thank you for giving us the ability to give back to your kingdom, to plant the seeds, to sow seeds into the kingdom that will change lives. We ask you to take our gifts this morning and use them for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, I pray blessing on every person in this room and those watching online. We love you, God, and we praise you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you guys go ahead and stand up with us and sing with us? We're going to lift up our